everybody to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh, and we are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow here on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Also, when you go to Twitter, this time at PredictorHQ, uh, make sure you check out the interview that we had today with Joey Odessa, who is one of the... Uh, great minds in MMA out there. Uh, a lot of good insight on that Conor McGregor, uh, Cowboy Cerrone fight going on this Saturday. So make sure you check that out. However, before you do so, we got some NFL business to get to. It's Chris Dawson back with us as always. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Chris, how's everything going? It's doing great. How are you this evening? Doing great. Doing great. Are you uh, you interested in all in uh, MMA, UFC, any anything like that? Oh yeah, I handicap UFC. All right, so uh, who you got? Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Are we? Are you allowed to give that one out? Who you got in the McGregor fight this weekend? Yeah, I'm not giving the McGregor fight away for free, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, I think it's going to be, you know, a very entertaining fight. Un- unfortunately, couldn't find um, a lot of other fights on the card that I like. So I think they definitely uh, had it with that, and I think the undercards are a little. Um, uh, under delivering but you never know when they when they fight we'll see uh sometimes doesn't have to be the the big marquee matchups to, to bring in the big action that is true i now me myself i'm not a huge mma guy but you know being a walsh of irish heritage you know it's always a big event when mcgregor gets out there so certainly be tuned in sure. for that one indeed all right chris then and then there were four uh we are here at conference championship weekend where we've got the Tennessee Titans at the Kansas City Chiefs and also the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, you know, when we look at the NFC, of course, you know, those two teams being the top two seeds, they were expected to be here uh, at at the end here in the Final Four. But when we look at this Tennessee Titans team here against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, certainly not what we expected. I know everybody was looking forward to that Ravens-Chiefs matchup. Well, guess what? We are stuck with this. But I digress. Let, Let us get into that matchup first. Uh, where he's got the Chiefs, uh, I, it, it's varied. I've seen seven. Uh, I've seen seven and a half at some books as well. But uh, for the most part, we got the Chiefs as uh, minus three twenty favorites on the money line, and we've got a total here at fifty two and a half. I've seen, even seen fifty three at some places. Uh, l- let's dive right into the game uh, overall before we uh, check out some of these prop bets and uh, first half lines as well. Yeah, I think it's um, an interesting uh, game to start the. Well, Sunday, um, I, I am definitely heavily uh, leaning towards the Chiefs here, uh, nice. especially since they came off of um, you know a comeback victory and a big scare by the Houston Texans, and then also I think just as importantly is the fact that you know they just played the Titans at home. Um, I think it was in November, if I'm not mistaken, yep. and uh, the Titans stole that game, 35 to 32, and uh, it was an arrowhead. So. I think that's a little bit of extra motivation and definitely a wake-up call for the Chiefs to be uh, prepared and ready this week for the Titans. Yeah, certainly. And I was uh, you know, digging in on this <clears throat> matchup as well. Uh, when you look at the total yards from that matchup uh, early uh, – or not – well, yeah, earlier this season, I believe it was something – oh, my goodness, I just had the number here. Uh, here we go. So the Chiefs actually outgained uh, Tennessee in that one, 530 to 371 uh, in terms of total yards – uh, the Titans end up getting a 53-yard uh, fumble recovery. 
Uh, you also get a 68-yard touchdown run from Derrick Henry. Uh, and also, too, you know, Tennessee blocks that field goal uh, at the end of the game, too, where, you know, Kansas City could have tied it up there. So, um, you know, again, I- I'm in full agreement with you here, too, with the way that the Chiefs closed that game out. I think that that momentum carries over into this game and, you know, Kansas City rolls to victory. So, um, you know, you're going to be playing this one uh, right there on the on the seven and a half, seven line. Um, yeah, I'm comfortable. You know, of course, I haven't actually plugged uh, plugged an actual wager in yet. Um, I'm very confident I'll be able to get the seven. But if for some reason it, it were to run away, I, I'm okay with anything. You know, even up to nine and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would like to also mention that last week on the podcast, I mentioned uh, I like the Chiefs, but was not taking them because of the number, and was hoping that something that did happen last week happened. And we would get some later value on the Chiefs. Um, I, I won't be rolling that dice this week, but if there is someone who's not real confident, I do think that there's a good chance that uh, we see Tennessee maybe, um, if not have the lead after the first quarter, be in a, a tied up game or look very um, competitive uh, from a defensive standpoint. So I do think there um, there's a possibility that the right play could be to roll the dice again with passing on the Chiefs to start the game and seeing if you can get them at a much better value at the end of the first quarter um, or possibly even halftime. So, you know, I, I feel, you know, when we look at the two matchups here, or at the four teams, rather, uh, Kansas City's offense, probably the most dynamic uh, of any of these offenses that we're going to see the entire weekend. Um, you know, for my, well, I've got to be a little greedy here. For myself, and also some of those DFS fans out there, Kansas City stack is probably the way to go, correct? What was it? Uh, you know, Kansas City yeah, in regards like, to, to... To have like a stack, if you're going to go like Mahomes, you know, uh, Williams, maybe Kelsey, a little bit of Hill, something like that. Like, like I guess, point in case, Kansas City is probably going to score the most points out of anybody this week, correct? Yeah, but I would uh, I would shy away from uh, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey this week in regards to any kind of fantasy angles. Okay. Um, I have a lot of trust in, in Mike Vrabel, and it kind of leads us back into the beginning of the game. Um, I do think he'll have some interesting looks for uh, Mahomes and the Andy Reid offense early, and I think he'll do a good job of disguising those things. Uh, also, from the Bill Belichick playbook from a defensive mindset, I think he – Number one priority for him is to take Travis Kelsey completely out of the game and then also to focus a lot in on Tyreek Hill. Uh, so from any kind of fantasy standpoint, I would I don't know really, you know, what kind of props they have for these, but I, I would uh, be more looking at uh, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins to um, to possibly be the uh, the ones who, who put up the big numbers for the Chiefs this week, um, especially earlier in the game. Interesting. So, yes, I know that, you know, we were definitely going to dive into uh, some of these individual prop bets, considering we only got two games. You know, we got to fill some time. And again, too, I'm sure people want to put more bets in with only two games this week. So uh, I guess the interest, you know, some of the interesting ones that we saw, uh, I guess the passing yardage between uh, both the two quarterbacks. So you're going to see Patrick Mahomes. Uh, now, again, these numbers are according to the FanDuel Sportsbook. They may vary by a number uh, or by a digit uh, here or there. 
but uh, Patrick Mahomes has a number here of 310.5 passing yards, uh, 2.5 passing touchdowns. Now, what's interesting on, on FanDuel Sportsbook is that a lot of the juice is kicked in on the under there for Mahomes to go under that uh, that 2.5 on the passing touchdowns, plus 120 for the over, minus 154 for the under. Uh, do you think that's a mis- uh, miscalculation, or is there something to that? No, I think it leads back into um, you know the the trust factor and Mike Vrabel and, and, and his defensive uh, scheming abilities. Um, and I, I think that he is going to make it a point uh, to you know I guess blanket their their passing game and not get gutted. You know, Patrick Mahomes had 400 plus yards and I think three touchdowns in that first meeting. Um, and again, a lot of that was because they were in a tight match uh, throughout the game, and of course Mahomes is going to keep on throwing. Um, I, I do think that Vrabel's, in a way, you know, you always hear the term, force them to throw the ball and take the run away. I, I truly believe that he's really going to force them to run the ball and um, be willing to have some, you know, light look, excuse me, light looks in the box. Um, to, to tempt them to run the ball and just stay away from throwing it while he tries to keep this thing close. And then again, you know, if that works, that's why we can see possibly, you know, the under 310 passing yards or under the two and a half touchdowns. And on the flip side, even if it doesn't work and it goes the opposite way on them, they can't stop them at all. Then we could see the Chiefs, you know, spending that second half, especially the fourth quarter, all and just shredding some time away if they're up, you know, uh, 17 or more and that could also put a little damper on the um, over under on the pass and touchdown so i think it's pretty sharp i you know i, I think the uh paying all that juice on the under is warranted Interesting. all right so uh when we look across the other side of the field we're gonna see ryan Tannehill there at 230 and a half for his prop uh you know prop for passing yards uh his touchdown number though is at one and a half and the juice there is pretty interesting as well where we see uh, plus 126 on the over, minus 160 on the under. Um, there's another prop bet that I'm very interested in with Tannehill, uh, and that is, you know, I, I wrote it down there too with the uh, the guys who could score two or more touchdowns in this game. Uh, he is plus 5,000 to possibly score, uh, you know, two or more two more touchdowns. Now, this does not account for the the touchdowns that are passing. These are, you know, ones that he would take in on his feet, but if this game ends up being, you know, Kansas City jumping out pretty quick, you think that there's possibly a chance that he could, I don't know, I mean, it is possible. You put $10 down, you're going to get 500 in return if he does this. Uh, is it possible where Tannehill could possibly run some of these touchdowns in? No, yeah, I, I actually circled that as, um, you know, I find that as a valuable play, even if it's just, um, you know, sprinkling some some bus money on there as well. <laughs> um, for the simple fact is, you know, he, he was he's very athletic. I'm sure most people know he was a wide receiver, converted quarterback. Yep. So he has wills. He just um, hasn't really used them much since he's uh, supplanted Mariota in this Tennessee offense he's been getting it done with his arm and hasn't needed to run it um, but no I think that's um, a very interesting bet as to or interesting bet as well to see if he would be able to um, score two touchdowns I think it's also to follow up with what I just said he doesn't necessarily have to run both of them and could we see a Philly special or something uh, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is a caught pass as well so um, I think when you look at you know 50 to 1 um, it's worth circling. I also kind of like the uh, over one and a half passing touchdowns, especially with you getting the um, 
at plus 126 on the over. Um, he's been playing very well. He's been, uh, of course, uh, executing well in the red zone. And then the lead back to what we've been saying, you know, I guess we're all kind of assuming that this could be a runaway by the Chiefs, which uh, it could be a telltale sign that we're on the wrong path. But if that is the case, you could see Tannehill really being forced to air it out late, possibly getting a, uh, you know, a touchdown against a, uh, a deep two look safety late in the game because they're just looking to run the clock out while they move the ball downfield. So um, not so much real um, liking the Mahomes, um, Props on either side of anything there, but I do like the Ryan Tannehill uh, passing touchdowns and then also the possibility of, you know, 50 to one if he could quarterback sneak one in and then and then find another way to get one. Um, I think that's worth a little shot there, too. In regards to his passing yards at 230. He came in at, um, let me see, 181 against the Chiefs before. Um, I think it's a pretty sharp number. Again, if they get down and are forced to throw the ball, then we can see that going well over. Um, but if they're running the ball well, we know that that's you know, the pedigree that they want to stick with. And if it is working against the Chiefs team that at times of this year has been very susceptible to the run, then you know, Tannehill could, uh, could have a light day in regards to stats. Yeah, and again, too, you know, with Mahomes and that uh, plus 5,500 number uh, to score two or more touchdowns, I mean, we saw him take off quite a few times, uh, you know, in that in that game against the Texans. But of course, you know, when they when they get down near the uh, when they get down near the red zone, he's not doing as much of that running. But um, yeah, I, I really I'm definitely going to be taking a chance on that uh, on that Tannehill number there. I really like that a lot, especially with the with the juice going there towards the under on the passing touchdown. So, um, you know, I, I really like that one a lot. I'm definitely going to be in there. Um, all right. So let now last week you were, you had one of the more wiser play, uh, wiser plays of the entire season there with Tennessee money line in the first half. Um, any, any particular play here in the first half for, uh, for either side? Um, I would lean towards the Titans, uh, with the, points, um, but maybe not necessarily in the first half, maybe just in the first quarter. Okay. Um, again, maybe overvaluing Mike Vrabel here a little bit, but I do think that he's going to give Mahomes some early looks that um, takes him a little bit of time to figure out. Now, how long that'll last will be the story because Andy Reid, of course, is a chess master when it comes to figuring out you know, what's going wrong, what he needs to do, and then implementing that quickly. And Mahomes, of course, has shown that he has the capability uh, to make understand uh, those adjustments and then make the the, the proper um, plays. And of course, we always see Andy Reid huddled up over there with him and going through their uh, you know their Microsoft Surface and and finding the deficiency. So, in regards to this one, I won't be betting it. Um, a little too scared of the Chiefs opening up this game, especially after the way the last game opened up. I would think they'll be, uh, you know, fully guarded. Um, but if I were to, um, if I was forced into making a play or if uh, somebody just wants a lot of action this weekend, I would definitely look at the Titans early and then seeing the Chiefs run away from this one late. Nice to dig it. Uh, one more thing I want to ask you about, too, uh, given what we know about the, you know, the, the juice there going to the under on the passing touchdowns. You feel like Damian Williams, who, by the way, he's been pretty damn good at scoring touchdowns in his post in his brief uh, postseason career. Uh, do you like that number there at uh, to score two or more at plus three twenty? 
No, I really don't. Um, for the simple fact is we don't really know what Andy Reid has in store in regards to personnel packages. Um, he definitely, like we're talking about Mike Vrabel and being able to bring out some mysteries, he's the same way. So in regards to the red zone and shuffle pass, the Kelsey and all the different looks that they give, um, I, I just think it's it's hard to pick anybody on their team to score two-plus touchdowns. Uh, of course, they're all capable of doing that, but if we look over the Chiefs and whenever they do really click, it seems like a lot of different guys are touching the ball and everyone is contributing. So I don't like any of their um, skilled players in the two-plus touchdowns. Um, and if that was the case, I would be trying to find something on either Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, or Sammy Watkins. Um, again, I have a lot of uh, trust in, in Mike Frabel to be able to uh, somewhat uh, – I guess it's um, being a little hard line to saying take them out of the game in regards to Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. But I, I do think that he is going to find a way to um, force Mahomes to get the ball to other playmakers. All right. All right. Let us get into the second matchup here where we've got the uh, Green Bay Packers. And by the way, this is also another rematch from the regular season uh, in, the, in the previous meeting. Between these two teams, it did not go so well for one of the sides. But we'll get into that in a sec. Uh, Green Bay Packers here at the San Francisco 49ers. Once again, uh, nine, the home team here, the Niners, seven-point favorites. Have seen it at 7.5 as well. Uh, money line in a very similar minus 320. However, this total we've got here, uh, 45. I've even seen it come up to 46.5 as well as some places. By the way, the most heavily leaned side by the public bets this week is actually the over uh, 46 and a half this game. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, as as for the matchup, uh, who are we liking here? Packers for the win. I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. Chris, we're, we are on equal footing here. I love it. I love it. All right. Why? Yeah. Let the people know why. Uh, well, I, I think um, a lot of it does have to go back to the previous game. You know, San Francisco really put the blitz on uh, the Packers. They beat them up 37 to 8. Earlier in the season, Aaron Rodgers, horrible game, 110 yards. Um, I think that's going to be a lot of motivation for them. You know, I, of course, don't think that that, that happens uh, again. Um, and also, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is really the X factor here. You know, Garoppolo looked great last week, but they were in control of that game from the get go, and there wasn't a whole, whole lot of pressure. When we watched the tape on that Packers 49ers game from earlier in the year, um, although the score doesn't indicate it, you know, the Packers were able to get a decent amount of push and pressure on Garoppolo. And, uh, after the game, you know, the defensive players had a players only meeting about how bad they played. And we've seen the defense play much better than that. And then also I've been preaching this Green Bay defense and, and how much better they look, um, in Mike Pettin's second year, uh, I just have a little bit more faith that he's going to be able to scheme up something against Cal Shanahan that caused them problems. I also feel like Aaron Rodgers is going to have a big bounce back game. I'm sure he's, uh, you know, that San Francisco game this last year was one of his poor performances. And I'm very confident that's fresh in his mind as well. Um, so overall, I just think that Green Bay has a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and that they're going to catch San Francisco possibly sleepwalking this week. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I saw a great stat today where 
um, there have been three instances where teams that had 12 wins or more during the regular season where they were underdogs of at least seven points uh, in the conference championship game. Not only did those teams cover, they won outright. Uh, so I, I love that angle there. Um, and also, too, you know, when we look back to the previous meeting, and the reason that I remember this so well is because I had Green Bay, uh, you know, in that in that matchup at San Francisco. But there were like a lot of questionable calls that went against Green Bay very early. And now you look at the final score of that game, you know, it was a 29 point deficit. You know, you're going to say, all right, what does it matter? But, you know, again, there were spots in that game where Green Bay really, you know, they got put in a big hole with some like very, very questionable calls. And, you know, there was, there was a chance there at one point where Green Bay could have pulled even. Uh, I believe they did with, uh, a touchdown pass to Devontae Adams. They ended up getting a two point conversion and it looked like they were on their way to coming back. And then San Francisco just ran away with the game there at the end. But, uh, but yeah, I, I like what I've seen from the Packers and granted, you know, they didn't have a great week 16 performance. They didn't have a great second half performance last week against the Seahawks. But I just think that this is a very well rounded football team. And, uh, you know, again, this is, I know San Francisco kind of capitalized against a weak Minnesota team last week, but yeah, I definitely like Green Bay in this one. And uh, you, you brought up the perfect point. I think that's why, you know, it's important, especially on weeks like this for, uh, handicappers to get in the habit of trying to watch as much, uh, game, game tape as possible because the 37 to eight, along with the box score, makes that game look much different than what it was if you really rewind the tape and, and look at things. Um, so, you know, when we have these light weeks and just a couple games and you really want to uh, find out what was going on previously, you know, this is the time to where um, you can really focus in and, and handicap these games um, very thoroughly. So, yeah, I'm all over the Packers this week. Uh, I also feel like on defense, their ability to play single high safety or also go to a cover two look um, with the personnel that they have in the secondary should really pay dividends whenever they're going up against a San Francisco team that doesn't really uh, key in on just one offensive player and they really spread the ball out a lot. Um, it helps to have a defense that is versatile and can play different schemes within the game. Yeah, I don't. Uh, oh man, I can't wait. So you're going money line here, huh? Going money line, Green Bay. Oh man. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't say these are things that should be gambled on, and and um, I shouldn't say gambled on, but maybe not things that should be factored into making a pick. But it, it's pretty cool that the you know Packers Chiefs be a be a um, Super Bowl again, and um, it was Super Bowl one. So yeah. Perfect time for that. What it were no 150 year anniversary or something. Uh, great storyline for the NFL to sell. Yeah, you know it's funny because I I did a trip back to um, well I did a trip to Nashville in December and I was thinking to myself I was like oh maybe that's some sort of narrative I was like no nah, I like the Chiefs too much to even be thinking about that kind of thing so no not not this year my friend. All right let's get into well hold on let's let's go to the first half line here uh, we're gonna see this one. Uh, you know, Niners favored by four in the first half. Um, you know, what do you what do you think here? Like, do we take the points or Green Bay? Still like the money line here in the first half? Um, I don't really have a good feel for the first half. Okay. Um, I do think the game eventually becomes close. I, I do think it's not going to be uh, uh, Green Bay just handling San Francisco and blowing them out at home. Um, 
I, I do believe that if San Francisco jumps on them and um, gets off to, you know, a quick start and is up 10 or more at the half, I'll probably double back and take Green Bay in the second half. Um, also saying that, saying that and that I love Green Bay in this game, if um, Green Bay were to get the hot hand early and uh, they're up to a point where I'm able to hedge my bet and get San Francisco at, at two to one or get them at plus six or more than I would be willing to hedge my bet. Uh, Cause I do believe that this is going to be a one score game. I just don't think that um, it's going to be San Francisco winning by that score. I think green Bay is, uh, is going to be clutch late and that goes, it also, I guess, falls back into the Aaron Rodgers angle. You know, if this game is a one score game, like this, the bookmakers are claiming it's going to be in the last seven to five minutes of that game, do you want Aaron Rodgers uh, driving your team down the field to take the lead or secure a win or, or Jimmy Garoppolo? And although Garoppolo has played well and we can't take anything away from him, we know that Aaron Rodgers will not fear this moment, um, no matter what the circumstances are. And in that fourth quarter, I want my money to be on him. I dig it. I dig it. So taking a look at the profits, like we just did with the, uh, you know, the earlier game. So we see Aaron Rodgers here at 238 and a half on the passing yards. Uh, both, and then Jimmy Garoppolo is a very similar, uh, 246 and a half on the passing yards. Uh, both guys have one and a half uh, as their line for passing touchdowns. Surprisingly, Garoppolo has uh, the better juice there, where he's at minus 126 on the over, whereas Aaron Rodgers is minus 124 on the under. Um, I, if if I'm looking at this from the way that we're both looking at it, uh, that means Green Bay could get up early here, and then Jimmy G could start slinging it late. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I, I also think it's a little bit of an indication to me um, about Green Bay's run defense. You know, we, we look at the stats and maybe they're not eye popping or look like there's some dominant group up there, but they have seven or eight guys that they rotate in. I do believe uh, that Mike Pettin has to stop the run with San Fran or, or nothing that we just talked about is going to work. Um, and that, of course, is going to lead us into seeing them have to throw the ball more because I do believe that Green Bay is going to be able to stop the run. Dig it. Dig it. Um, all right, so I definitely like that. Now, I, I have a feeling, you know, looking at these these numbers, and again, too, I love Green Bay, you know, from the minute I knew that this matchup was going to go down. But um, Aaron Jones seems like he could definitely be the X factor in this game. What do you think? Yeah, um, it actually scares me that, the you know, the to, to score two touchdowns pluses at 650. There, yeah. there seems to be some real value in there. And then um, you just have to wonder if there is something in the game plan where maybe they plan on using uh, Jamal Williams a little more in the um, in the red zone or inside the five, um, because 650 seems like a seems like a good deal uh, for a guy who touches the ball um, not just in the running game but also in the receiving game as often as he does. Sure. So um, it's something I want to try to look in see if maybe there's some news out there or. Or any uh, any stones that can be overturned to find out if uh, there's something else going on in regards to a game plan and how many touches they expect him to get, because that does seem like a again a fair value when you look at some of the other numbers in regards to that prop. Yeah, it's crazy too because you look at the the earlier game with KC and Tennessee, and the leader in that prop is Damian Williams at plus three twenty. I mean, you've got one, two, three. You got four guys 
in that game who have better odds to score two touchdowns than Aaron Jones does, who is actually the leader in that prop in this Green Bay uh, 49ers game. So, yeah, I think that's definitely an interesting one. It's one that I would certainly take a shot on, you know, without a doubt. Um, you know, nobody else on Green Bay is even close to him. Devontae Adams there at plus 1,100. Uh, Aaron Rodgers even has a plus 10,000 uh, uh, odds there, too, to, you know, if he can get himself lumbering into the end zone, too. But, um, but yeah, I think this one's going to fall squarely on the shoulders of Aaron Jones. And all my DFS people out there, that's that's where I'm starting my lineups this week. So, get it going. And I think, um, I think you know, to, to pull the curtain back a little bit, if you put yourself in a, you know, a coaching mindset with trying to use this as any kind of data to give you an indication of what they're planning on, um, for San Francisco's defense, you know, they, they know they have to take away Devontae Adams. We all know that they're going to attempt to do that. And they yep. know that the next one down is Aaron Jones. Um, now that can also be kind of a problem for the defense because they're saying, okay, if we take this away and that away, what are they going to do? And they don't know. Yeah. But Green Bay knows what they're going to do whenever San Francisco looks to take these away. So um, just like in the previous game, I think a lot of value in this is finding guys who um, are outside of the uh, – and outside of of that um, high touch probability, and you know maybe Jimmy Graham has a breakout game for them, or um, you know the Lazard guy or one of their other playmakers. Because again, uh, we know San Francisco is definitely going to hone in on Devontae Adams, especially after what he did to the Seahawks last week. And you would expect that to lead to a lot of action for Aaron Jones, but then again. You know the odds makers who are who are very very sharp have this at plus six fifty. So I just think there's something up with it, and um, I, I probably won't bet it, even though I look at it and I see value, and it kind of you know brings us back into that trap mentality. And uh, I really think it's necessarily a trap. I just think there's more there that needs to be found through investigation. For sure. Hey man, if it hey as you said, bust money, just bust money. On yeah. It. Oh yeah, and that's what these you know. There's uh, there's a lot of guys out there who have good good edges uh, on these prop bets and things like that. But you know, for me, I'm more just on um, trying to predict what's going to happen in the actual game. So I, I don't spend a, a ton of time on this, but it is something to look at. And as you mentioned early in the podcast, um, we have two games this weekend, and you know, gamblers whether they're successful or unsuccessful can claim whatever they want. But we all love action, and we're yeah. always going to look for it. And in this weekend, you know, if there is a time to to sprinkle a little bit of that, um, I guess instead of bust money, let's let's try to be cool. We'll call it stripper money. So all right, all right. I guess the yeah, I guess to sprinkle a little bit of stripper money out there, you know. Um, I would still try to shy away from Aaron Jones and see if I can find something on uh, Jimmy Graham or possibly even Williams. Um, Green Bay in the past is, you know, there's been times we thought Aaron Jones or any other running back has been the guy even under, you know, McCarthy and other coaches, coaches past. And it seems like Green Bay always ends up with that guy who comes out and has that game. And that's what puts him on the map. That's how we know who Aaron Jones is. And you just wonder if it'll be someone else this week uh, who kind of shines. And you wonder, why didn't he start all year? Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I would definitely lean towards more uh, and seeing if there's anything available on Williams or Jimmy Graham. Yeah, it's definitely tough to, um, you know, to get those props. So we're doing this podcast on a Thursday night. And... You know, I, I don't have any of the prop bets available, you know, so, you know, those, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. those numbers on like Lazard and Graham and guys like that, you know, they're not readily available at the time. So it's tough to, 
you know, to, to try to comment on them and get a feel there. But yeah, I think that those, sure. those, the, those guys are certainly worth looking at. So, and, oh, go ahead. And a lot of the things that we're talking about is the reason why that a lot of these prop bets don't up, up to the night before or the day of, because there are people out there who are searching frantically, um, uh, to get any kind of edge that they can. And if you're able to pick up an edge like that on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, um, you know, to use this as an example, again, if, you know, if someone knows that uh, Jamal Williams, that's his first name, correct, Jamal? Yeah. Jamal Williams, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If, uh, you know, if, if if someone knows that it's in the game plan that, that he's getting, you know, X amount of touches or he's going to be in the, these certain packages, especially in the red zone, then it's hard to tell, you know, what his prop bets would be in this same kind of circumstance. So um, there's a reason I think that they hold back on, on releasing some of the um, – some of the players who aren't bet on as often, especially in the regular season when they're not listed on these kind of options at all, is um, is there some money to be made there if you're willing willing to uh, you know do your part and get the edge? Um, one thing I want to ask you too, because we saw uh, we were just talking about Devontae Adams, and uh, you know it doesn't really matter so much for Michael Thomas since he's out of the playoffs. But what do you think it was about these two guys that? You re- like they were matchup proof the entire season. Whether you wanted to, you know, push in the outside, you wanted to double team them, triple team them. What what is it that these guys always get theirs in every single game this season? I think a lot of it has to do with the game planning from you know the coaching staffs and the offensive coordinators and not being stagnant uh, in regards to where these guys line up and um, different kind of uh, routes, you know, in regards to their route tree on whether it be you know, first downs, the second downs, the third downs. So I think a lot of this has to do with the uh, coaching, you know, Sean Payton, and uh, in this regards to Adams as before, I, I, I think that they work very hard to not show those kind of tendencies and are able to keep these guys in the game. Um, you know, not to always bring up the bad guy, but, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien, I've seen games before where teams were able to take uh, DeAndre Hopkins away. And as you watch the game go on, you don't see him, um, you know, lining up in the backfield or, or in places that he hasn't before. Um, and there's just a lot of predictability uh, on on passing down. So I, I think a lot of it has to do with the coaches more than just the players in regards to um, those two guys anyway, especially Adams, because, I mean, we sit there and watch many games. Last week was a perfect example of a game where, I mean, you, you just expect the Seahawks are not going to let him touch the ball. Um, yeah. But that's not the case. And uh, I also think it's it, worth mentioning that, both of these guys have Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing them the ball, um, who are especially Drew Brees, very, very good at looking players off and lulling them to sleep um, in regards to Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers' ability to extend plays with his legs and uh, kind of ad lib uh, has a lot to do with it as well. So, not to take anything away from Tyson, I mean, from Thompson or um, Thomas or Adams, but. You know, move him down to Houston and take Hopkins out of there, and uh, probably wouldn't quite be the same story. Yeah, and you know what's impressive too, even with uh, Mikey Thomas, who's sitting on the couch this week. But I mean, he was still even putting up pretty good numbers with Teddy Bridgewater uh, at quarterback. So, um, you know, just just a totally impressive year by both of those guys, nonetheless. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. So we broke down both games. Um. Anything else that uh, that we want to add here? Um. 
I'm trying to see if there's any angles that we could throw out that wouldn't be discussed from everybody in the world this week. Since <laughs> we have two games, <laughs> it's hard to say. Um, no, I mean, not, we not could, we could break down the AFC West schedule for next season. I mean, you know. Break down the AFC West. Well, hey, oh, you know what? You just led me into something that I think is worth looking into for people who like futures. And I'm actually very surprised at this. But as you know, I'm running about an hour late for the podcast tonight. I, I uh, got caught up in a conversation um, hanging out down at the Red Rock Sportsbook here in Las Vegas. And I didn't even notice it on the board. I'm not sure when they put it on. But they already have the uh, the new Las Vegas Raiders win total for next year up, wow. and it happened to be set at what I could, thought was extremely low, at six and a half. Really? So I guess we can end it um, by taking a look ahead to next week. I, I think that that number will definitely change between now and then, uh, especially with a team with two first round draft picks and tens and tens of millions of dollars in cap space for free agency. So uh, if you want to get a head start next week, even though we're in the con- or next season, even though we're in the conference championship, uh, it was the only team total that they had on the board down there, but it was um, set at a very low six and a half um, for a talented team that should get better playing in a very, very fired up new home stadium. Yeah. And if we're talking about our own teams, I got to look at who the, who the bucks are facing next season. Yikes. I, I'm just going to make this prediction very clear. The Bucks will probably be looking for another quarterback at the end of next season. We'll say that. they like Their schedule is absolutely brutal next season. And again, it's really tough to say that. Like My best friend, you know, when I, when I try to play that win-loss, win-loss schedule game, he's like, stop. Just stop yourself. You're being ridiculous. Like You don't know who's going to get injured. You don't know who's going to have you know, the different types of moves or anything like that. But I don't know. It's just it's fun to do as a fan. We all do it. But yeah, just, sure. And that's yeah. And I think it's the same. I mean, you got to have at least a little bit of an edge, and that's kind of what I'm saying about the Raiders. I was surprised. Um, you know, if they set it at six and a half, and they didn't have a first round draft pick, and they are having salary cap issues, and it was going to be letting guys go and instead of bringing guys in, then you know maybe it's a sharp number. But I was just. Um, Again, kind of surprised because of all the assets that they have. So every team, you know, you have to you have to uh, handicap them all differently. I don't know much about the Buccaneers in regards to their overall roster and, and what kind of um, cap space and assets they have for next year. But it seems like the number one question there, will, you know, is Jameis Winston the quarterback even next year? Yeah. Um, before you look much farther than that, you know, who who will be under center week one next year for the Bucks? Um, you know, I, I would think that they should stick with uh, Winston, but we'll see what they decide to do. All right. All right, folks, that was Chris Dawson. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Uh, always putting out some of that great uh, NFL, NBA, college basketball content for the people out there, so make sure you grab that. And also make sure you follow Sports Predictor on Twitter at Predictor HQ. Also go to the website where you can find – uh, Chris and all of the uh, great handicappers that we have at the site. You can find all their great plays. You can do that at sportspredictor.com. All right, Chris, the next time that we talk will probably be about two weeks from now, and we'll be getting ready for the Super Bowl. So uh, I'm going to have all those great props up there. Uh, heads or tails? How long is the national anthem going to go? How, how, you know, how, is, is the national anthem singer going to be wearing a hat? So I hope you're ready for all that stuff. 
Yeah, I, I, I'll try. My, <laughs> I'll try my best to see if I can get some uh, some insight on you know who sings first at the halftime show. I, I know they're taking bets on on um, anything you can think of for the Super Bowl. But uh, before we get there, what we need to happen this week is the Packers for the win, the Chiefs for the win. Packers, Chiefs, Super Bowl, we can break it down, pick some winners on that one, and be happy that we cashed out on the championship week before that gets here. I'm so glad that we agree. It just makes it such a pleasant uh, thought going into Sunday. I don't have to worry about anything. So, all good. And I can tell you, you know, one last thing, I guess, before, sure. we, before we shut it down. Um, the, a lot of people are going to think there's no way that they're going to want to take the Packers at San Francisco on the money line. Um, you know, another way to spin this is possibly a seven-point teaser. Take the Chiefs uh, to win the game and then uh, make sure you get a ties, ties push teaser and take the Packers with, the, you know, 14 or 14 and a half. That's, that's a strong bet as well. I dig it. Yeah, and it's funny, too, you mentioned that with the teaser because, look, Vegas isn't going to let, you know, people take a, teaser, a two-team teaser – where you know both of these home teams can win. One of these one of these home teams is losing, and we we know who it is, Chris. Great, that great. Is I it. appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, folks. We'll see you next time. Peace.